Did a bad thing, guys. What'd you do? I went on to Amazon. I bought $10,000 worth of merchandise. I didn't go through the Amazon.com portal, and now Feral Audio is shutting down. What did What did you, you buy? You fucking asshole. What did you buy? 20,000 candy bars? Exactly. They Man. were delicious. But now, I should have gone through the portal, because then FeralAudio.com artists would have been supported. Now and even we, though they're out of business, we would have gotten a cut of that money. Yep. And now we're out of business, too, so enjoy the last ever Beyond Yacht Rock. That's not true at all. Yeah, Farrell's thriving, and we're still having fun. Hey, there's some music. So, fellas, a couple uh, months back, I was at a bar talking music with our good friend Casey. You know, sweet dude. Sings for Karate the Band. We were talking about an amazing song that you're going to hear in a bit. But when is, it we... by the, is it by Karate the Band? It's not. I said it was an amazing song. Oh, I see. Uh, we were uh, talking up the fact that the uh, song we were listening to had a sequel. Oh, and Just not like a, a of, movie. Exactly. And not a lot of songs have sequels. And uh, today we're going to celebrate them. The ones that do. Boy, what a solid intro. Yeah, that's really good. <laughs> that was really good. Who were you talking to? What? When? When you were talking about song sequels. Casey, I said that. You did? Yeah, yeah Casey, come, the sweet dude Casey, who sings lead for Karate the Band. Well, how come you it's always, a joke band that he's in. How come you always talk about your other friends, but you never talk about us? Because I'm talking to you about my friends. I talk to them about you. I think I need a sequel to my friend Dave. Uh, everyone, I'm hiring a sequel. If you'd like to be the sequel to my friend Dave, email us at beyondyachtrock at gmail.com. Does that sound good? Yeah. All right. Songs. Song sequels! Yeah, Episode here we go! 34! Welcome to the Beyond Yacht Rock Podcasts, nailing intros since January of 2016. We're the the podcast that creates new genres of music and counts them down because that's what you've been thirsting for. My name is JD Riznar. Over in front of me, I'm Hollywood Steve Huey. I'm also what you've been thirsting for. <laughs> and in his last podcast without glasses, yeah, David Lyons, king of intros. And over there, uh, hi everybody. <laughs> I'm old, still here. I'm it's Hunter. Hunter. He's wearing a shirt that says "Horn if you're honky." Fantastic shirt. A gift Dave gave him. What yeah. a guy. Couldn't wait to give it to him. Uh, never. He never gave me a gift that funny again. If you want to be the sequel to my friend Dave, Beyond Yacht Rock at gmail.com. You know what? I'm going to get on Amazon through the Feral Audio portal and buy you a real funny gift. Oh, great. Uh, every show we start with a bone throw to the genre of Yacht Rock. Uh, what, Hunter, what is this song? This is so smooth. So, uh, speaking of Horn If You're Honky, we are listening to a little Quincy Jones with uh, 100 Ways. A uh, long, long time ago, I wanted to, I really wanted to shift the web ser- Yacht Rock web series towards Quincy Jones. Um, to me, Quincy was the guy who kind of picked up the fire from Coco after he died. Um, and a fun fact... I wrote a really terrible script, gave it to JD, and it was about uh, Quincy and Rod Temperton. JD read it as Ted Templeman. (laughs) 
and turn that into a different story. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. what you intended. A completely different completely thing. Different. That gave us the Ted Temple uh, mini arc that led to the awesome Van Halen episode and gave us some excuses to bring back Coco. So you're welcome, world. Uh, yes, and we never got to the Quincy part, but I do think there's something there. Um, <clears throat> Quincy was, uh, he, he was, you know, he was a prolific producer from like the 50s or something like well, he was a jazz musician yeah. he was a band leader in the 50s yeah but he but he was also p- pr- producing music right then and in the 60s and the 70s and into the 80s um and man it, as he went it got smoother and smoother uh with some new characters with but in the 80s he still involved nerds like toto and that's what we're kind of hearing right now yeah um Let's see who's on this. But this is a uh, James Ingram yeah, sitting in there. James Ingram. Mm-hmm. All my notes got pushed down the page. Uh, so this song is from the album Dude. The Dude. Good album. It's from 1981. It's amazing. Nominated for 12 Grammys, more than any other album in the history of the world. And uh, wow. Yeah, it's a fucking powerful album. Yeah. Um, on this on this song, which by the way predates Thriller. So you have all these thriller, yeah, like people like, working on this song by like two years, right? Yeah, yeah, yes, and uh, and and all of them that got back together with Michael to do Thriller. Um, we hear a lot a young, of them were also on George Benson's "Give Me the Night" album. Yes, from we too. We hear uh, James Ingram on lead vocals. Um, on also on this album is one woman of yacht, Patty Austin, um, which also predates that Voltron Trinity of singing. With Michael McDonald. Yeah, uh, from Baby Come to Me, yeah. which was written by Rod Temperton and uh, produced by Quincy Jones. Also co sung by uh, James Ingram. Yes, yes. That's the Voltron r- trinity of Roo singing. I, I, I love how James Ingram stretches his range. You hear it in here, too. He just sings like stupid low notes and then like hits the highest falsetto he can hit. It's like, he's amazing. He's great. He. Anyway, he's the best out of the trinity. I think. Um, also, on this song, you hear really smooth plucking of a guitar. That's Steve Lukather. Oh, he's really taking it easy. He is. He's the cool dude, and he's being extra cool on this one. He's normally he just try, he's trying to rock it out. Um, you hear? Oh, another thing on this. Uh, whenever I listen to this song and some of the other songs on this album, I always think, man, this would fit in great on Michael McDonald's If That's What It Takes album. I looked it up. It turns out the guy playing the electric piano on this is uh, Greg Fillingangs, who played damn near every song on every song on If That's What It Takes. So that's probably the reason. So shout out to Greg Fillingangs. He also plays all over Thriller. So he's Quincy Jones' go-to keys guy. And I just found this out. In 2006, he was a full-fledged member of Toto. Yeah, I saw him play with Toto in 2006. Really? Yep, in Muskegon, Michigan. Yeah, he was, uh, he helped write and, and make Falling In be- Falling In Between? 2006, a Toto album I never listened to. Um... And another thing I want to say about this album is is because if it was released four years later, it would sound pretty milk toasty adult contemporary because because this is the heart of the yacht rock era. You get that yacht rock production that makes it so much more broadly appealing and so much cooler than the adult contemporary stuff you hear today. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a music historian, but I challenge the world to find an earlier adult contemporary R&B album. This one, the dude, might be the very first or at least the most influential one. In 
Uh, Probably, yeah. Uh, Hunter, you're a big champion of this album. Uh, and I feel like we'll, we'll have a lot more to say about this during the Yacht Soul episode coming up. Episode 40. Yes! Yeah, all right. At last! <laughs> so weirdest uh, reaction to a soul show that I've ever heard. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes, it's soul. Yeah. You don't understand how much I love soul. Um, or also how much of it I got. There's an, another thing about this song is it's... Um, it's an oddly obtuse sort of love song. It's it's like it's it's like it's kind of like a fool's kind of version of a love song. It's it's talking about a hundred. It's not being very specific. They're talking about a hundred ways to like impress somebody. To, to kind of keep him around. So, you're so it's a dreamer. It's a foolish I'm dreamer. I'm saying it's a fool. Yeah. You're saying there's 50 ways to leave your lover, but 100 ways to impress them? Sure. So sure. That's exactly what I was saying, Steve. So there's, so the odds are pretty much in your favor. I'm saying this guy who's in this song is, is a fool. Because he's, but, but he's, there's he's also overthinking things. There's 100 ways to impress his lover, so it seems like you'd be able to pull off one of them. Yeah. But he's a fool. Ah, oh, see, that's... Yeah. <laughs> Stretch it out, guys. I, I, I was done. I was, I was done a long time ago. Oh, why did you keep talking then? I, I don't know. I gotta move you guys on uh, better. All right. Are Let's we get doing, into the song sequels. Are we uh, doing my bumpers today? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You want to talk about okay. your bumpers? I mean, yeah. No, you can talk about them in a second. Let's get into the talk you about You can talk sequels. over them. Because we're not. the next thing that we're hearing isn't a bumper. Okay, oh, so, I got it. Good note. Oh, that's new. Mm-hmm. That's terrific. I think we used it last week. We used it last week. That's Rob Crow, right? Yep. Yeah. He's good. He's making things very difficult for him in the future, and we do a live show, and he has to do that live. <laughs> uh, all right. What we heard on top was uh, Rock and Roll Part 2, a song sequel by known pedophile Gary Glitter. This is the original, <laughs> and it kind of sucks. But wait, wasn't what, you you're talking about a sequel? I thought this was like the A and B sides of the same single. They, they were A and B sides on the same single, but it's not like Buckner and Garcia's Pac-Man Fever on side A, and then side B was Buckner and Garcia's Pac-Man Fever instrumental version. Those are clearly different versions of the same song. This they, uh, is, yeah, okay, these are clearly different sections. Yeah, and it's of, part part okay. one and, and part two. It's the same beat, mm-hmm. but it's kind of a different... And it wasn't Pac-Man Fever part one. Right. And then exactly. flip it over, it's Pac-Man exactly. Fever instrumental It's not like two. a James Brown doubles like parts one and two. Exactly. But I'm putting this on here because this has sort of the reverse effect. The original one, not that good. The second one, very popular, playing at sporting events all the time. I don't think I would watch sports to this part. Yeah, I don't think Only I'd watch sports. Part. I'd watch um, roll to, to this. Yeah. Now, song sequels aren't all that common, as I said, basically because they almost never come close to doing as well as the original. And seriously, why the fuck would you do a song sequel? Do we really need a follow-up song? Are that many unanswered questions left over? Is there more story left to tell? Good thing you picked this genre. Yeah. It's not like you really believe in it. Yeah. Uh, ironically, we're gonna, though... We're going to find out today, I think. For Gary Glitter, it's great that he did a sequel because it turned out that the sequel was the huge smash and funded endless trips to Thailand to have sex with children. Yeah. So, boon to Gary Glitter, mm-hmm. bust to a world with less sadness and misery. Yeah. Oh, and Vietnam. He, that's where he was arrested in 2006. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, oh and, sorry, and, Thailand. And the only reason why he was in Vietnam was because he got kicked out of Cambodia. <laughs> yeah. Pol Pot? 
Scott, Cambodian dictator, leader of the Khmer Rouge, killed 25% of the Cambodian population. He was put on house arrest. <laughs> oh, Gary. And that's Gary how horrible Glitter. a person you have to be to get kicked out of Cambodia. Uh, Gary, I'm, Gary Glitter, I'm sorry that I, I slandered Name, you named by your saying son you, after him. No, I'm sorry I slandered you by uh, saying you went to Thailand. Oh, no, he went there, too. Um, he went everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, He's the, a, uh, he only got arrested because uh, England finally said, wait, you did something here. Right. So here's why I think song sequels are stupid. Yeah. <laughs> because it's not like I gotta start this song over. I'm gonna look at. Uh, I think song sequels are stupid because it's not like movie sequels where you have clear characters that can take you along on an elaborate, satisfying journey, and you want to see where else these characters can take you. You know, no one said, "Boy, Gary Glitter, you really hit it out of the park with that rock and roll song." I'd love to see where it goes next. And Gary Glitter never went. Well, I'll tell you where it needs to go. Less lyrics. <laughs> Imagine if Ghostbusters 2 was done in pantomime. Actually, they might have made the movie a lot better. Yeah. Wait, would you summarize that a sec for a second? Why are these song sequels important? They're stupid. Yeah. Oh, they're stupid. They're stupid. <laughs> yeah, because JD's, they don't have... They don't have the original calling song, them stupid. The original okay. songs don't have characters that really compel you and tell you an interesting story gotcha. that you want to okay. see. Where they, yeah. It's almost like it's the sequels you never asked for. Yeah, and I kind of said the same thing in my intro. Now, one may make... So, one, one way makes the assessment that I'm just trying to force in some of my favorite artists here. I think and, I may arrive at that assessment a little later on. But there's the some list. real turds, too, everybody. <laughs> so do you want to... You want to talk about your bumpers? Yeah. Um, Wait, explain the countdown. How yeah, are we going to format As we this go countdown? through the countdown today, we're going to play a little bit of the original and then the sequel. You'll see examples of continuing a story, maybe revisiting old characters, possibly telling the story from someone else's perspective, or desperately kind trying like to stay I, relevant. Kind of like I told my version of the genre from a slightly different perspective <laughs> than yours. Exactly. Kind of like why we haven't done any more Yacht Rock web series episodes. Whoa! Oh, no, no. Um, uh, one more, one more thing. We're doing this. Again. These are important. We're talking about them again. What was the reason again? Wait, what? We're talking. We're doing song sequels again because his friend Casey told him to. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, he brought it up, and they're stupid. Yeah. But apparently, oh, okay. you you brought it up as well in one of our first meetings. Because you brought it up because Casey got that bug in your ear. But listen, let's tell us about your bumpers. <laughs> all right, all right. I just want to make clear that these are so stupid. I recorded some bumpers uh, with my friend Paul, and uh, another friend. We're playing them today. And uh, is he in a Paul, band friend of the you? podcast, is he, he was he in a, a band twin in episode four. Yeah, he's in Karate the Band. Oh, what? Um, if you can name all these songs that I play, direct message me on Twitter at David underscore B underscore Lions. Uh, if you get them all right, I'll buy you a beer. The caveat is you can't be somebody I already know in real life oh. or somebody I've already bought a beer from. I was going to ask if I could just text you while they're Also, around. you have to... You well, have I'll to, just buy you a beer. You also have to buy airfare to Los Angeles. Okay, shall we get... Wait, me or the winner? No, the winner. Oh, thank you. You already live in <laughs> Los Angeles. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's, let's hear this first bumper. Listen up, folks. There's a contest at hand. A foot. Wait, that sounded like another friend. It sounded like Tony Zaret. No, that was me. Pretending oh. to be Tony Zaret. You were doing a Tony Zaret? Yeah. Oh, oh. good work. Thanks. What's this, what's this song, Dave? Okay, we're kicking this off with a real stupid one. <laughs> <laughs> this is Bobby Boris Pickett's Monster Mash. Clearly a novelty song, but it does feature famed Wrecking Crew member Lou Russell on organ. Leon Russell. <laughs> Lou Russell? Yeah, sorry. I saw Lou Rawls' uh, 
gravesite yesterday when I was paying my respects to Dio. So Lou Russell is a, Lou Russell's a sequel to Leon Russell. <laughs> uh, I'll have glasses next week. Uh, it made it all the way to number one in 1962 and re-entered the charts in both 1970 and 1973, where it reached number ten. Ain't that some shit? Oh man, that's it, so stupid. Good, good makes, chart research. It makes Dave. it makes sense because the only good Halloween song year after year, people are like, "What Halloween song should we play?" I'll just uh, play Monster Mash and get gonna, top of the charts again. We're gonna prove you wrong with our spooky Halloween show. It only got to ten in October. I guess that you know Universal is rebooting its Monsters franchise. Is that trying true? To, trying to do an expanded universe? Yeah, and Tom Cruise is starring in the Mummy, and I guarantee they're gonna have like a cheeky, irreverent trailer with this song. <laughs> uh, Tom fun. Cruise is in the Mummy. Can I can I say something that's not stupid? Bad, I don't know. Luck. Can you? Uh, uh, Leon Russell is awesome. Great. Yeah. yeah that. Yeah. Okay. And I. He's. If you look him up, and we don't. We're not gonna get him to him into it today. He's like a walking history of rock and roll. Hmm. So look him up. Also find his wedding album. It's amazing. I'm excited to hear the sequel to Monster Mash. Oh, we're already on to that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Moving right along. Okay. Kind of so. starts the same. Yeah. <laughs> Science bubbling. bubbling well, while several sequels to this song were made, I chose Monster Rap <laughs> because it's absolutely foul. Just garbage. This try and rap is from 1985 and to no one's surprise, did not chart. We should take a moment. Yeah, listen to this. <laughs> Total try and rap. <laughs> it's not that different from his singing style on the original. No, oh, it, it gets there. <laughs> the beat's hot, though. It's actually yeah. really good. <laughs> this shock the body. This, yeah, the, the shock, shock the, the body, body part is pretty Wait, good. Is this it? Shock the body. Yeah, so good. Yeah. For 1985, that that's good. kind of a hip rap a uh, little bit. Uh, you mentioned it's having a good beat. It sounds to me almost exactly like the beat of Walk This Way. Which is a good beat. Yeah, yeah it's a great beat. beat. It's it's before Run DMC redid it. This is like several years before that. And I, want, I, I was trying to bait a compliment out of Dave for this rap song, and I got it. So I'm going to assume this is his favorite rap song. <laughs> it might be. Yeah, it's up there. It's very punk rock. Do you think they used Walk This Way as the beat as an homage to the Mel Brooks gag in, in Young Frankenstein? Yes. I think I think the I think the depth of thought that went into this song is gonna be just astounding. I think that's a deliberate reference. I just feel bad for the guy who invented the creepy monster guy voice, because I bet when he first invented it, it was really scary and creepy, but then like guys well, like this have made it silly over No, here. it was uh, Boris Karloff and Bella Lugosi were the ones that kind of did that voice, and that's why Bobby Pickett's nickname was Boris. He was, oh. a, he was a nightclub dude in the late 50s that would do monster impressions, because <laughs> I guess they were pretty low stakes. Classic. <laughs> <laughs> um, and one of his big influences was Lenny Bruce, and I have to think they performed together at some time. I, just, I really hope they did. Uh, I was um, just going to say, and after Lenny Bruce is yeah. Boris yeah. doing now, the monster um, voice. I, I he's about as edgy as Jeff Foxworthy. <laughs> it's like, if you put a ghoul on top of a goblin, you might be frightening. I encourage everybody to check out the video on YouTube of uh, Monster Swim Party, another great sequel to this song, where you actually see some of the, uh, the facial tics and stroke-like mannerisms he has when he does these impressions. It's it's just phenomenal. Do they do the dance, the swim, or is it like in a swimming pool? No, it's a Dick, Dick um, it's a Clark Dick. show. Oh, okay. Number nine. 
Man, that Tony Zaret is great. <laughs> Tony Zaret's such a good singer. Yeah, I got some reverb going on, though. All right, 1972, Master of the, uh, I want to paint the wall with my brain style of musical storytelling. <laughs> Is that like... Yeah, yeah. Gun, gun in the mouth. Gun gotcha. in the mouth. Paint the wall with the brains. Yeah. Um, Cobain. Cobain style. Uh, Harry Chapin released a song called Taxi. Tells the story of old lovers that meet when Sue gets into Harry's cab. He ends up driving into a handsome mansion, and they say goodbye. And then he proceeded to jerk off furiously in his cab. Oh, wait, they never included that part because this song is boring and has no balls. It needed a part where he jerked off in his cab. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Certainly would have made it better. Instead, he just smokes a joint in his cab, which can lead to low testosterone. <laughs> so can jerking off, because then you have less testosterone yeah, in all, your balls. You're all out of testosterone. <laughs> That's not how it works. Painting the walls with that. That's not how it works. <laughs> your balls are filled with testosterone and you don't let it go. Uh, story songs like this are so stupid. They're just like these hookless ego-stroking rambles. Yeah. I had pitched uh, storytelling songs of the 70s. Which uh, I think episode. would be great. Yeah, but, but you still have to do more research on that. Well, it would also be just me telling the story of the songs we're listening to. <laughs> while, while you're talking over the story yeah. is happening. Yeah. Now, what he's saying here is what I'm going to tell you. <laughs> that sounds great. It's hard to do because it's all about the lyrics, and that's yeah. the only interesting thing about story songs, yeah, and it's, it's boring to it's me. It's the kind of song that people write when they mistake readable lyrics for good music. Like, oh, what's this song about? Reads lyrics. Oh, this is a good song. Without even listening to it. Oh, the writer has such literary aspirations telling these these literary stories. But this 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 story wasn't enough. He made a sequel. Yeah, yeah, let's uh let's give it a listen. No. I love how we're moving on so fast. Well, we sounds exactly yeah, the it's, same. It's, exactly, it's the same song. It's like um, it's it's it's, 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 it's a lot of the exact same lyrics too. Yeah, God. it picks up right where the last one left off. It's like, it's like, like yeah, it's like Teen Wolf Two is the exact same formula as Teen Wolf One. Oh, a couple God. different actors. Yeah, Jason Bateman, notably, but worse. Yeah. Okay, I, I was gonna do a bit on all these of explaining what their sort of equivalents of, but they're all just Teen Wolf Two. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to go into it. They're just all the same fucking song, but worse. I want to get into the differences in the stories in here, though, because when when you leave them off, and when you leave off at the end of Taxi, uh, he's just smoking a joint in his car, and he's like, "Well, she she's not really happy being rich in a big mansion. I have drugs." Yeah. And he's but, being himself. He's yeah, flying away he's in his taxi. Flying high yeah. in his taxi cab that he's driving while high. Yeah. Oh, and this manages to, to start off exactly where the last one ended, yeah. but it still skips over the jerking off part. Right. Yeah. Continue. It's, 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 really, it's a really long previously on segment. Yeah. It's subtly titled Sequel. <laughs> and now Harry Chapin's the famous singer that makes dads cry with Cat in the Cradle. He's returned to Frisco to play a concert with some time to kill. Looks up his old love. Her, only to find she no longer lives in her fancy mansion. Oh. The butler says she's not here anymore. Here's her address, as butlers do. And she's in an apartment working nights. It's implied that they bang, and he tries to give her money. And it's just, really, it's just him redoing the story so that he wins, and he can gloat about what a successful and virile man he is now that he's famous. It's uh, Harry Chapin always sounded like ball burn to me. Yeah. Yeah, like when you drag your balls uh, uh, across a cheese grater. Yeah, it's like I have a Harry Chapin. Yeah. 
here's here's another problem. This is really chaping my balls. Read the room, Steve. <laughs> here's uh, he was. I wasn't. Um, uh, the, there's a butler character in this story that I want to know more about. Yeah. And I don't, because that's a, what's shitty about story songs. Is this very important butler? He talks to him and he tells him where the girl is. But you don't. Is it a? Is it an old English butler? Is it a young Latino guy? Like a different kind of butler? Like what kind of butler is this guy? Because he's he's like the Obi Wan Kenobi of this story. That's what the sequel should have been about. The butler. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I don't know how you guys got this far into these story songs. I heard two sentences and then it was all like. When it's just a dick. When it's just a dick bag yapping with an acoustic guitar, you gotta listen deeper to figure out anything yeah, to say about it. It forces you to listen to the lyrics because there's nothing else going on. And after a while, I was just hate listening to this. Like in the original, I believe that Harry Chapin's a sad sack. But this one, he, this is just a weird, emotionally stunted, yeah. nice guy revenge fantasy. Vindictive. Yeah. It, 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 like, towards the end, he's like, don't ask me if we made love. Or, yeah, totally banged her, bro. Yeah. Or which one of us started to cry. It was her. It was totally her. It wasn't me. <laughs> And then, he, and then after he 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 oh, he, he, oh, I'm not gonna say if I banged her, but after he bangs her, he tries to leave her money. Like, like no, some I don't kind think of you're. Whore. I don't think you're a whore. I'm just trying to help you out now that I'm able to, and I have money, and I'm famous, and now you're the one who needs things. Okay. I mean, it's no wonder Harry Chapin's son hates him. <laughs> I, I just, I just want to say that this is a reason to do this uh, storytelling songs of the '70s. Because I tune out, but that was great. That was that, that was, was mm -hmm. fucking great. Thank you. I, I want to hear that. Yeah, yeah maybe we can. This do is that. the sort of uh, controversy and excitement I was trying to trying to get. Also, with this one, one yeah, last right. thing. Uh. At the end, he says, "I uh. guess it's the sequel to our story." Like, what the fuck do you mean? You guess? You titled the song <laughs> "Sequel." You passive aggressive wiener. Yeah. You he's, wrote a sequel called a, a sequel. He's giving me a Harry Chapin. <laughs> so it talks. Really chapin my balls. There we go. Uh, this one. The first good song of the Fuck. countdown. Oh, Jesus. This is... the Putting two of these together was like a half hour. <laughs> uh, very There's famous. a lot of character development to get through in these two songs. But what is yeah. the song here? Uh, it's uh, Marty Robbins, El Paso. This Marty was the Robbins one you were listening to, right? It was. Casey and I were at Johnny's Bar in Highland Park. Way to read Dave's room. <laughs> right off his paper. Nailed it, Steve. You guys are really chaping balls right oh, now. I'm just going to keep saying it. Uh, now, this is a great song as background music to a movie, a party, or a conversation about music at a bar. But on its own, it's just a really long story that you have to pay close attention to if you want to find out the resolution. Thanks for the genre suggestion, Casey. Keep talking to Dave. Appreciate it. Yeah, but it's catchy, so it's uh, nice to have, uh, have it on for a bit. Real nice song. There's at least this second part where they change up. It's not just the same melody over and over again. There's two different parts. Yeah. I, this song is just made for a Coen's, Coen Brothers movie. So well, I think it was made to the, ironic uh, Coen the movies that Coen's brothers pay homage to. So real, real quick, it's a guy sees a lady, mm -hmm. gets in a gunfight with a dude she's with, yeah. like, gets shot. Yeah. And, okay. and she doesn't want him. She's real hot. Yeah. She's it's a, a hot tight Mexican story. Lady. To be yeah. fair, this mm -hmm. is a tight story. <laughs> Sequel. Yeah. This is not. What's a sequel called? 
Uh, it's called Felina, named after the uh, lady from hot, El Paso. The hot Mexican girl that he mm -hmm. fell in love with. And it goes back to her origins. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is Felina's origin story. Yeah. There's a lot of backstory going on in this song. To be fair, I think they're... Well, to be fair to who? Uh, I think they're calling this a paraquel, where it's that it's this, it's a story that's happening at the same time. Yeah, as you're revisiting one. the same situation. But from a different oh, point of view. Yeah. I've never heard that term before. Uh, it's... It, not it's a lot of people are using parallel, it, but they're, they're trying parallel. to figure out a way. Okay. It happens in TV a lot, in TV series, I feel like, yeah. is doing, they're doing stuff like this. But yeah, this song starts way early, follows Felina through her life, what brought her to that bar, and then at the end of the song tells us what happened afterwards. Yeah, and if and, and Hollywood, if you're listening, it's a better it's a better way to reboot a series, absolutely, than just rebooting. A but I still feel like this this shouldn't be canonical in this uh, saga because in the first song, I granted Felina's character is not very well developed. She's just this wicked, evil, heartless hot chick because she doesn't love this dude back, and he never had a chance with her. But that was also part of the tragedy of the hot-headed gunslinger, and now they're rewriting it so that she's like totally into him and they're kind of dating but she flirted too much and he got jealous but it, it, it's and then but, but spoiler Steve, alert it's just like it's this is what they're trying to do he's trying to reboot the series it's almost like marty robbins just wanted more money yes it's, he wanted more money he was also hoping to continue this it's more it like when it's more like when peter jackson takes a storytelling class and feels like he has to develop backstory for every one of his 50 characters and it just slows down the movie Oh, uh, Hobbit, Hobbit Slam, plus uh, <laughs> plus he dies at the end of El Paso. Yeah, and at this in this one, I'll, I'll give the, I'll give away the ending if you don't want to listen to all twelve eight minutes. minutes. Eight minutes. It's eight minutes. It's yeah, eight minutes. It feels like it. Yeah. If you don't want to listen to all eight minutes, at the end of this one, Felina is not just like holding him in her arms. She like actually takes the gun and shoots herself yeah. so she can die with him. Mm -hmm. he, this dude she just met. In yeah, bar. yeah. yeah. They, they, he was, she was showing him the town, and now she's like dying with him because she would got have been killed, sort of somehow. Would have been a much better story if uh, she picked him up and carried him around Bernie Lomax style. Yeah, that yeah. would have been great. Weekend yeah. at Felina's. Yeah, yeah, we can, <laughs> yeah it kind of is. Yeah, I get a, uh, Marty Robbins has a. He's got a folk career. He's got a gig to get to. Yeah. Do you remember? Take him to the saloon and so he can play his gig. Animate his hand while somebody's <laughs> playing behind the curtain. Do you remember how? Do you remember Weekend at Bernie's too? Uh, yeah, didn't they bring him back to life in some voodoo ceremony? Yeah, it was voodoo. That the Blues Brothers 2000 eventually ripped off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he came alive for voodoo. He yeah. was just a zombie of the next yeah, Good movie. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Good, great sequel. Both great sequels. I want to point out one pattern here that we've seen in the last two songs. In the first song, some dude loses it love and he feels all pathetic, and that's the point of view the narrate the singer's singing from. But then after he has a hit, he writes another song song where the chick was like really secretly totally into him all along. It's dumb. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> it's really shaping my balls. And that was... I'm sorry. 
that was number seven. Folks at home, I hope you're listening, and I hope not too many of you are going, I, I don't want to have a beer with Dave. <laughs> too, I don't want to think about this. Yeah. Oh, very famous song. I'm sure everyone knows it. Buddy Holly, 1957. Was originally titled Cindy Lou after Buddy's niece. It was later changed to Peggy Sue after drummy Jerry Allison's current uh, girlfriend and future wife. Jerry asked for the favor probably because he was trying to get his wiener wet. Um, do you think people in the South still give people those traditional white trash names? Like Jerry? Or Travis? Or Casey? Yeah. <laughs> Casey Joe. I think that's Casey Joe is from Florida. <laughs> Joe's so. his real oh, name. Yeah. Casey I, Joe. I do want to point out the traditional white trash name in uh, current contemporary culture. The current offensive coordinator of Detroit, the Detroit Lions, which you guys are into, other than Dave. Uh, his name is Jim Bob Cooter. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, we love Jim Bob Cooter. We love him. Good name. <laughs> great offensive mind, too, Dave. Yeah. Oh. I'm offended. Um, okay, so next sequel? Uh, well, uh, I was going to blame Billy Joel for 9-11, but I guess we can skip that. <laughs> <laughs> More later on our Billy Joel did 9-11 special. All right. Oh. Sequel's kind of a kick in the balls here. <laughs> Very similar. It's Peggy Sue got married. It's like he, uh, oh shit, I can't have her. Um, she's married. Um, demo was recorded by Buddy Holly in his Manhattan apartment on an acoustic guitar. And that's the version we're listening to after he died. Uh, you guys knew that he died, right? Mm-hmm. What? He died, he died of drugs. Yeah. yeah. He got he got drug onto an airplane, then drug across twisting metal, and then drug across the dirt. Yeah, the field uh, somewhere. Don't, don't do drugs, kids. JD, you don't need jizz jokes. That was great. I know I don't need jizz jokes. That's why I haven't told any in yeah. months. Um, I like that you're stretching out. This is the very first time that music was taken from a dead guy and released as a new song. In 1959. That's and great. then and his, Tupac His band, The Crickets, recorded it with a Buddy Holly sound-alike as well. Yeah. Tried to cash in on it. Yeah. And I think they made it sound more like the original Peggy Sue, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Well, this is just him on a, on a guitar it's in his be- apartment. It's beautiful. Has this song ever been covered by Elvis Costello, the sequel to Buddy Holly? I don't know. All right, good. I don't believe so. That, that might be... That might that that question might be answered in a, in maybe a later genre called Buddy Holly glasses <laughs> that I've been working on. This song inspired the uh, 1986 movie The Same Name, starring Kathleen Turner and Nick Cage. Now I haven't seen it since 1986, but I think it was about a lady that hit her head and went back to high school, and I think there was a rich guy and she does some stuff and then wakes up in the present day and there's no DeLorean. Great job, Coppola. Sounds like you hit your head, Dave. I think a better sequel would have been... Didn't remember any of the details of that movie. Sorry, J.D. That's okay. Oh! That's a good ending. Number six. Oh, boy, here we go. Here we go. Really in my wheelhouse here. Number, number six. Six for some reason. Yeah, okay. now I want to sniff some glue by the Ramones. One of the first songs the Ramones ever played together. They already had, I don't want to go down to the basement. I don't want to walk around with you. Indeed, he decided they needed a positive song. Uh, Didi also said that he hoped people didn't really think he sniffed glue because he had actually stopped when he was eight. Has, 
Has anyone ever sniffed glue to get high? Is, is it? I'd imagine the high is just like breathing really hard and fast for a couple seconds. Like, <gasps> okay, I'm high. Whoa, whoa. I think it was like a model glue. Yeah, and it was like, like airplane glue. Like about, we had Elmer's. Yeah, so 1979, 1980, they started making it so you couldn't get high from it. It was citrus scented. Yeah, they decided that was a bad idea because kids are like, ooh, this smells good. <laughs> I, I don't remember anybody joking about sniffing glue when I was a kid. I remember like it was very serious in your yeah, neighborhood. It was, yeah, well, yeah. no, they joked about like from sniffing a markers. Place. Oh. They, they sniffed markers or they did whippets or whatever. And there was yeah, a brief nitrous whippets. oxide yeah. fad from oh, college. That's great. Hippie crack. <laughs> great fad. Uh, fun fact, the song was once considered by Jimmy Carter to replace the Star Spangled Banner as a national anthem. Of course, I'm referring to Dave's friend Jimmy Carter from Kalamazoo. Oh, good guy. Not the hillbilly president. Yeah. Here's the sequel. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Couldn't have waited for that song to end. <sighs> Two and a half minutes. <laughs> there was three seconds left. <laughs> the uh, follow-up is called Carbona Not Glue, and it was released on their second album, Leave Home. But only a few copies got out. Wait, Manager, Say that title again. Carbona Sorry. Not Glue. You good? Okay, yes. Uh, manager Danny Fields told him that Carbona was a name brand and was skeptical of the Delta Carbona company giving permission to use the name since the Ramones were singing about using the product as inhalants. The label replaced the song with Babysitter and then was replaced again with Sheena's a punk rocker when Warner Records bought ABC Records, who was distributing for Sire at the time. Oh, mm. what a fun fact. Wow, that's a fun fact. Uh, another fun fact... Uh, uh, Carbona is sort of like this is why it was chosen for the sequel because Carbona is like the Vigo of the Carpathians of inhalants. <laughs> Vigo like, the Carpathian. Vigo the Carpathian of inhalants, and it's like the Gray Sports Almanac of undersink huffing agents. <laughs> the perfect sequel uh, drug. Uh, um, and I thought Carbono was another thing, of, another kind of glue, because that's what Dave told me, and he's always I? telling me the wrong things. You're always telling me the wrong, always, <laughs> always. His pro Casey probably told you that. The fact is, Carbono is a cleaning product, which you can, which you can still buy from today. New Jersey. From so, New Jersey. So happy huffing, kids. And the active ingredient is carbon tetrachloride. Mm. I think Carbona comes from carbon. With an A. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Italian carbon. A carbone. Yeah, it's I from thought, New Jersey. I thought carbono is what you get when you look at those bikini calendars in the mechanics waiting room. <laughs> carbono. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You get a carbono. Yeah, you get a hairy chapin. bumper. Here comes a bumper. No! Oh. Guess this song. Wait. I'll be respectful and not do some knee slapping yeah. on this one. Just trying to make you guys a little more professional. All right, fuck it, I'm doing it. I'll get more professional when I start making a living off this. We, sh we should have had Mark Rivers do a sequel to that. Yeah. Uh, for this special episode. Guys! No, more oldie time music. Welcome Great. to Nebraska! Or basically Omaha, because that's where most of their music seems to come from. Uh, there was a big indie rock scene in Omaha around the turn of the millennium, centered around the Saddle Creek label with artists like Bright Eyes, The Faint, and Cursive. Uh -huh. But because I never really got into any of those bands, I went with Omaha native Winoni Harris, an early rock and roll pioneer who sang dirty jump blues songs about getting drunk and fucking women. Two things that Connor Oberst of Bright Eyes sounds like he's never done in his life. Oh, Agreed. Boom! 
bright eyes burn. Uh, this song, of course, is Good Rockin' Tonight, the early rock and roll classic, which has a fairly interesting history. It was first recorded by its writer, Roy Brown, who had an R&B hit with it in 1948, but he had actually written it, hoping to get it recorded by Winoni Harris. His dream came true. His uh, dream came true. He just Roy had Brown. the first hit with it. Uh, and then Winoni re- decided to record it himself, after all, and he took it all the way to number one on the R&B charts. And then, of course, Elvis Presley recorded this as his second Sun Records single. Was there a was there a muted trumpet on the beginning of this? Like I believe uh, so. Plunger yes. trumpet. I yeah. So. Whenever I hear that, I assume the song's about sex. I don't know why. Most of Winoni Harris's songs are about sex. How about or drinking? How about this song? That's right. There's a sequel oh God. to that Jesus, song. Jesus, stop too. yelling, Steve! <laughs> Holy moly! Turn your headphones down. Oh. It's getting hot in here. <laughs> this is Winoni Harris's follow-up, Bad News Baby, subtitle, There'll Be No Rockin' Tonight. Oh, it's so he's withholding sex. He lost, no, he <laughs> lost his baby and he can't find her, so he doesn't want to rock no more if he can't rock with her. What? And that, uh, that Roy Brown also sense. recorded his own sequels to the, his, own, his, his song, which included Rockin' at Midnight, and he did his own The Party's Over song, Ain't No Rockin' No More. Uh, 50 states. I love Nebraska. 50 states is supposed to break the theme. Not only is this another shitty oldie time song, but you, you picked it only so you could play it shitty oldie time sequel. Ah! <laughs> I almost picked Bloodshot Eyes, but then I found out there was one that had a sequel. From Nebraska? It should have been. Yeah. It should have been something cool like that. Is that a cool new song? No, it's by Winoni Harris. Ah, it's, about, ah, it's about no. It's there, about how his girlfriend a, has bloodshot eyes. Been a, a cool Nebraskan rapper. Listen, my morale is low. Well, okay. let me cheer you um, up. Listen, the list. I, 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 have a, I just have a feeling you guys have no ear for entertainment value. I have really, a you're tempting me to make a jizz joke, Steve. I have a surprise. I'm going to make a jizz joke. Hold Nebraska. on. Let him make a jizz joke. I don't have one. Tread, tread lightly, though, boys. Other you, have a, from you, have a chance, you have a chance to entertain me with this list of artists. Other artists from Nebraska include Terry Lewis, Jimmy Jam's producing partner. Yeah. Tubes lead singer Fee Ooh. Waybill. Zager and Evans of In the Year 2525 fame. Awesome. Jimi Hendrix Band of Gypsies drummer Buddy Miles, later the lead singer of the California Raisins. Iron oh, Butterfly oh. lead singer Doug Ingle. He was the head raisin? He was the head raisin. Oh. I just blew your fucking mind. Main raisin. Outlaw country singer Tom Paul Glazer. 1990s power pop icon Matthew Sweet. Eagles bassist Randy Meisner. And TV and film composer Neil Hefty, who is best known for the theme music to Batman and the Odd Couple. Which is what I call my jizz nuggets. <laughs> it was a terrible Batman list. Batman or the Odd Couple? Both. Yeah, not a single obscurity in that entire list. Well and done. Well it's done. It's a very diverse list. Hey, I, that... I would not have expected that out of out of the state of Nebraska. Uh, oh. Blew my mind, Nebraska. Uh, final fact on Nebraska, it gave us Drew Hancock, who played Oats in the Yacht Rock series. From Lincoln, I think, right? Happy birthday, Drew Hancock. Uh, the, the theme to Magnum P.I. Um, no. Oh. Dave was really pleased with himself while that bumper was playing. Yeah, that's not an easy one to play. <laughs> <You did. laughs> All right, Chuck Berry's most famous song, Johnny Be Good. 
I always gave the Beach Boys a bunch of shit for ripping off this intro to T-Bird, but I have come to find out that Barry ripped it off, almost note for note, from the 1946 Louis Jordan song, Ain't That Just Like a Woman. And here's, Jay, you always blow my mind with one revelatory fun fact that I can't believe I never knew. That's the one. And I listen to that song, it's it's lighter and jazzier, but it's clearly very, very similar. Absolutely. It's more like Chuck Berry just like, ah! I'm gonna do that, but I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna do it way better. Yeah. yeah kind of like when Led Zeppelin would cover a really old acoustic blues song, like When the Levee Breaks. Right? I love that shit. Also, the song semi-autobiographical. He changed Colored Boy to Country Boy so that it'd still get radio play. And it worked. Biggest hit he had, number eight. But, to be fair, there were only ten songs back then. Right. <laughs> so, uh, so, number eight wasn't that impressive. But, a- actually, David, that's not true at all. The song was actually, and not a lot of people know this, it was written by this white boy who traveled back in time and was replacing Chuck Berry's cousin in a band at a high school dance. When uh, this boy broke out in this song, Melvin called Chuck on the phone. They had backstage at a high school gym and said, listen to this sound, and the rest was history. Yeah, your kids are going to love it. I don't think that's right. I think you're thinking of uh, the cousin Marvin Perry that wrote Don't Stop Believing. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was Don't... Don't... Never mind, never mind. Yeah. Play the next song. All right, the sequel, Bye Bye Johnny, did not fare quite as well, but it tells the story of Johnny heading off to Hollywood to be a star. Ooh! Yeah, that old tale. It ends as a, it ends as a tale of false hope, as Johnny never builds his mom a mansion. She just stands by the train tracks, waving at the train, hoping someday her son will be on it. I mean, he was good at guitar, not acting. He went to the wrong city. He should have gone to New York. It was the mecca of the music industry at mm-hmm. the time. Of course he failed. Nobody or- makes it in guitar in Los Angeles in the 50s. Or at least Chicago, home of the electric blues. You could have signed with Chess Records like Chuck Berry did. Yeah. yeah. Like the actual Chuck Berry did. Right. I think the most significant parts of this song are that it was covered by the Stones in 63 before they were doing uh, their own songs. And then uh, it inspired the uh, Bruce Springsteen song, Johnny Bye Bye, were the first two lines of the same, but then it goes on to be good. And I think it uh, didn't it inspire the movie Johnny Be Bad with uh, Anthony Michael Hall? That was the sequel to Johnny Be Good? <laughs> or was it called Johnny Be Good? I it was swear. called Johnny Be Good. Was it? Yeah. Okay. I remember the grocery store. But I'm pretty sure he was bad in it, though. Oh, yeah, he was a bad boy. Leather jacket. Letterman. It was a Letterman jacket. Letterman jacket. Oh, you're right, it was. He yeah. was a football player. Yeah. Hunter, I like your sequel analogy to this one. Oh, you do? Uh, well, it could just be Teen Wolf 2, but it could also be Caddyshack 2. Uh, the first one was fun and in- influential. The second is barely recognizable except for the name, and it's annoying. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Super, yeah. Okay. All right, let's go. Cool. See, I had a whole round of those. Oh, sorry. Step on that one. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah! Steve hit me to this 1954 groove. This is Hank Ballard. Can you say hipped me instead of hit me? I don't want people to think that. I did. You said hipped me. I said hipped me. I heard hit. I just don't want people to think that. You hear things wrong a lot. Yeah. Maybe your ears are bad from all the yelling you're doing. (laughs) No, that's yours. (laughs) 
No, that's yours. <laughs> I'm destroying your fucking ears, bro. Steve hipped me to this 1954 group. Thank you. This is Hank Ballard and the Midnighters with Work With Me Annie. The FCC originally objected to this song because it was so sexual in nature, uh, specifically to the lyrics, Please don't cheat, give me all my meat. They thought it was too racy. Uh, previously, uh, there were sexually overt songs that the FCC didn't have a problem with, but this one was different because white people were listening to it. Did, speaking of white people, hey, Boston Red Sox fan, did you just hear that so good, so good, so good part of this song? Uh. That's actually in this song, so if you're going to chant that, get rid of the Neil Diamond song and use this one because it's actually in the song. Amen. Wait, Boston Red Sox fans are going to sing a song by a black guy? <laughs> Good point. Good yeah. point. Never yeah. mind. I just want to say how happy I am that this made it into the countdown, and I want to point out that Hank Ballard was a big early influence on James Brown, which is like saying that your thoughts on religion made a really big impact on God. And that that also was King King Records, right? Second time we've mentioned yeah. that today. Yes, King mm -hmm. Records. Oh, let's listen to the sequel. Hold on. I just I want to get on my soapbox and say another reason why Cleveland shouldn't have the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They're not even the best rock and roll city in Ohio. Yeah. And before you go on, I want to talk about how there was this really clever thing that all the artists were doing back then, writing lyrics where you couldn't distinguish if they were about dancing or fucking. I thought it was about co-workers in the kitchen. Uh, work with me, the thing about meat. Listen, here's the sequel. Okay, this one's Annie oh, okay. Had a Baby. Oh, what a fucking bummer. Not gonna work no more. Oh, women don't like to fuck after they have kids, apparently. No. Uh, ah, these old songs. I'm, I'm getting. Hey, next on Beyond Your Yacht Rock, we'll be exploring Shakespearean sonnets performed on a lute. They're also oldie timed, and Dave loves them. I, did so we do Casey. that in the Easy Wickening episode? Kind of, yeah, we kind of did. I love I'm sorry your dad didn't teach you what was good about the 50s, JD. Like I love, I love Go listen to the super exciting sounds of Steely Dan. My dad was too busy being like 13. I love how he's so mad yeah, well, that these are oldie time yeah. songs. <laughs> this is. This is but, the birth of rock and roll right here. Yeah. This is the birth of our most this is, important This is closer movement. to Steely Dan than we are to Steely Dan now. Well, birth Schmirth, that wasn't interesting until I was in my 20s. This was the arena rock of the time. <laughs> <laughs> the gym rock. Yeah, there's a great story about the uh, birth of this song. I don't know how true it is. But um, local uh, LA DJ quipped, check out the follow-up to Annie, uh, to uh, work with me, Annie. It's called Annie Had a Baby. He just made it up. But the record label started getting requests for the song that didn't exist, so they had King Records exec and resident songwriter whip up this tune. And whipped he, whipped it he did. Mm-hmm. It was uh, Henry Glover. He was hot shit. He was hot shit. He's the first big-time black record executive uh, that doesn't make this song good. Yeah. Songwriting fun fact, Hank Ballard, no relation to Russ, went on to write a record, went to write and record a dance number called The Twist, which Rolling Stone would call the top rock song of all time, once covered by Chubby Checker. God, Rolling Stone's off the mark. Yeah, they really are. I think Billboard also called it the top rock song of all time. Was it was based more on chart yeah. performance. Was it, it, hit, it hit number one, 
on two different occasions. Yeah. Dave, Dave, was it Billboard and not Rolling Stone? Might have been. Ah, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> did, you, did you verify that Russ Ballard and Hank Ballard aren't related? Did you actually go back and check? I didn't, might, go, I didn't go with the be. genealogy and, you know, how far back Whoa. it went and who owned whom. We need to send a blood test out to their relatives. All right. These, uh, these, are, these early R&B songs, the sequels are kind of the opposite of the sensitive white guy shit from before. Because in the sequels, the good times are all over. Like, it's, you, you partied on Saturday, now you got to go to church on Sunday. And have a baby. Well, oh, oh, oh. Plug hole. Uh, where's my plugs? Oh, there it is. Oh, in the wrong spot. Okay, plug. Welcome to plug hole. Hey, you never know where a plug hole is going to show never up. Never know. Hey, thanks, Ocean City Defender, for this phenomenal plug hole bed. The Ocean City Defender is a guy named K. Preston Markley, and he actually doesn't live in Ocean City. He lives in Thunder Bay, Ontario, according to Twitter. He's insanely talented for Canadians, so go to OceanCityDefender.com for news and views on this wonderful music project and follow him on Twitter, at OCDefender. Um, anybody want to read the next? Uh... Yeah, sure. Okay. Remember to buy your Beyond Yacht Rock t-shirt at YachtRock.com. Tweet us a picture picture of uh, us you, wearing it. You wearing it. It sorry. says us. I know, I know. I'm sorry. Jesus. You wearing yep. it. Tweet us a picture of you wearing it at Yacht Rock with the Twitter handle at Yacht Rock, and we'll retweet it to our nearly 300 or 3,800 followers. Thousands fewer than our Twitter verified nemesis, Yacht Rock Review. Dave, I believe your friend Casey is verified as well. He yeah, is. Yeah, and he won't stop talking about it. Yeah, yeah he's trying to uh, use his new verification to get flown out to his college in Boston and give a speech to the students, but I don't think it's working. Plug hole, Casey. Hey. Begin your road to wealth and happiness today by joining the I'm Bob Seeger system of wealth and success. All you have to do is buy an I'm Bob Seeger t-shirt, which are available in two convenient sizes, medium and large, at jdresnar.etsy.com. The rest have sold out. Happiness and prosperity are right around the corner uh, spying on you. All you have to do is grab them and give them a good shake. That's what the full name of the uh, Bob Seeger's original band, the Bob Seeger system, actually was. Explain the Bob joke. Seeger system of wealth and success. Dave, will you t take the, this next plug, please? I sure will. Rhetoric Coffee, smooth and mellow, has never given me diarrhea. Steve loves pouring beer into it. Mm. RhetoricCoffee.com To subscribe today and get arty bags of beans brought to you by our Brought to you, brought to your abode. Whoa, Spanish. Oh, oh, listen, you had to really hit that. Artie bags of beans brought to your abode by monthly. You see, I put a lot of bees in Yeah, there. this alliteration. Let me try it again. Use offer code YachtRock and get 30% off your first hot bag of beans. Okay, now try it again. Not, oh. <laughs> no, actually, forget it. Don't do it. Yeah, we're good. It's R-H-E-T-O-R-I-C-C-O-F-F-E-E.com. Uh, last plug, Steve. Check out Michael McDonald at the Blue Sun Music and Wine Festival in Westlake Village, California. Oh, I want to do that. Saturday, September 3rd, 2016, 7 o'clock p.m. I understand there will be music and wine there. So when you, so you, you might literally hear Michael McDonald through the grapevine when he covers I Heard It Through the Grapevine. Ah, from right. the Motown album. Good yeah. plug hole, guys. Hopefully this episode airs before that. Oh, shit. Okay, fuck. All right. Okay. <laughs> I know this one. Number three. 
It does air before that, Steve, because I work on this podcast. I work hard at it. I put the air date at the top of the podcast. And when I research the plug hole shows, I find out what's coming out that weekend. Settle down, J.D. I'm sorry. I don't like being accused of being wrong. It's Dave's job to be wrong. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's true. Dave needs glasses for his memory yeah. as well. I also had a correction. I said uh, Bobby V sang Red Rubber Ball last week. He sang Dave, Rubber Ball. save it for the Dave Lyons I have a correction, correction also. special. God damn it. Johnny B. Good was not Chuck Berry's biggest hit on the charts. That was actually huh. 1972's My Ding-A-Ling. This, this song isn't very long, guys. That's all right. It's a punk song. It's Dave doing a punk song. Remote Control by The Clash, back in my wheelhouse here. Uh, this song was the first Clash album on the first Clash album. It was about the 1976 Anarchy Tour where the Clash and the Damned were support acts for the Sex Pistols. Yay! Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers were on that tour as well. And the song is about their annoyance with the multiple local authorities uh, forced upon them when 16 or 17 of their dates were canceled. They're huffing glue. How come no one ever gives the Sex Pistols a hard time for just being one big jizz joke? One because, album. Yeah, Those one guys album. had one fucking That's album. Why. Oh, they didn't do it all the time. No, okay. they were only around for a couple years. No, you know who's a big jizz joke is Pearl Jam. Yeah. <laughs> one of the most socially conscious bands of the 90s is named after jizz. I don't think that's, that's true. No, that's an absolute fact. No, I don't think so. Think about what Pearl Jam. No, no, no. Is. I, I'm not saying we interpreting it that way. Yes, it is a jizz joke, but I don't think that's what they intended. Anyways, Dave, I absolutely think that's what. Uh, unless anyone else has anything to say, I say let's go on. To the uh, I lo- I just want to say I love classic punk clash. Yeah, that we're hearing right now, mm-hmm. um, because it's so fun to listen to these cockney rap rap scallions, knowing they turn into like rock gods. In two albums. Yeah. They sound completely different. Yeah, Rolling Stone actually hit the mark when they called them the only band that ever mattered. So when the label released Remote Control without their permission, it pissed off the band Something Fierce because they'd already done the press saying that Janie Jones was going to be on their next single. Uh, But the band turned their fury into this follow-up of the first line of the song. They said they released Remote Control, but we didn't want it on the label. This How is dare a little bit forced as a sequel. <laughs> it's an absolute did, sequel. Did, it's got uh, a similar name, and it starts with the last one left off. Did, did Neil Diamond do song. any sequel songs? He didn't. I looked really, really hard. <laughs> I, 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 I texted my friends that are into Neil Diamond. Nobody could find one. This is kind of a sequel. It's, it's not, it's not number three worthy, though. It's, it's a sequel to what pissed them off. Like... Like the ending, so yeah, like they picked up where the last one left off, like Karate Kid Three. Sure, I just want to say Lee Scratch Perry produced this song. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of music's great ex- eccentrics, most famous for working with Bob Marley and the Whalers. He was a fan of the Clash for their cover of Police and Thieves, and he was their only. I think the Clash was the only white band on the wall at his famous uh, arc. Was it the Black Arc? Uh, uh, anyways, like that, yeah. Where, wherever but he produced. Them. My favorite part about Jamaica. the Clash getting upset about this is what did they think was going to happen when they signed to CBS Records? Yeah. Meow. Mm. Take that, CBS. Oh. <laughs> my favorite one. <laughs> it's coming. Number two. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Nailed it. Uh, I did it, guys. I got Iron Maiden on the podcast. And we get to listen to two other songs. First one is Aces High. Love this fucking song. Yeah, it's too bad this, these aren't sequels. Yeah, they absolutely are, and I'll tell you. Uh, it's from 1984's Power Slave album. Uh, Steve Harris tended to write a lot of historical events uh, surrounding wars. This one's right in that genre. The Trooper's about the charge of the Light Brigade during the Crimean War. And this is about the pilot in the British Royal Air Force fighting against the Germans in the Battle of Britain. Yep, sure is. So we want to hear the sequel? Oh. <laughs> Uh, when they do this one live, it's frequently predicated by the famous Winston Churchill speech, We Will Fight Him on the Beaches. Uh, yeah. He was rejecting even considering surrender, even as France fell. It's a pretty yeah. incredible song to see live. I'm getting a little worked up just thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, it's like being in World War II if there were mullets. <laughs> <laughs> All right, play the sequel. This is not a sequel. It absolutely it is. Just, no, it it's is just not. another song about planes. <laughs> no, it's from the same battle, but uh, told from the story of a German tail gunner. No, it's not. Did you read the lyrics? It name drops all these different German fighters. No, it names Fokker. Like no, it names Dresden. They talk about no. It, those are it name drops places where there were bombings, um, in, in, but different theaters of war, including the Enola Gay. Yeah, total sequel. <laughs> it's not a sequel at all. It's uh, about tail gunners. This is, this is really chaping hunters' balls. <laughs> Here's a. This is cut and pasted from the internet. A Which sequel internet? to Maiden's 1984 song, oh, the Ace is High. It depicts the battle from another perspective. It's such bullshit. Are you calling the internet a liar? Yes. Listen, I'm happy to hear two Iron Maiden songs. Oh. But this is not a sequel. If you think he fucked up on this one, wait till you hear he fucked up on number one. I really did. Guys, I wanted to listen to Neil Diamond or uh, Iron Maiden. <laughs> it's great. Oh, it's great. Comes out. I don't know. And they're both in World War II. Dave. Yeah. Dave really likes to force his favorites in, especially at number two, which is why we call him the Tail Gunner. Boom. Yeah. Boom. Uh, fun fact: Bruce Dickinson said in an interview that the title of the song came from a porno about anal sex. Oh, that is a fun fact. Yeah. Uh, any fun facts worth the fact that this is going to be our longest show ever? <laughs> Wait, moving on. Wait, oh, this, yeah. this song sequel about World War II, which is a sequel, <laughs> came from a porno about anal sex? Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. let's just make it a sequel to Ace is High. Nobody, nobody understands their muse. Where's Charlotte the Harlot in this song if it's about anal sex? Uh, I love this. Thanks, Dave. Thank you for bringing this in. <laughs> Delgana. <laughs> Number one. Great job, Tony. Did you catch that little end there? Yeah, I did. There's a little Iron Maiden reference yeah. there. Well, my Good strumming. Oh, he fucked yeah. That's not who the song is. Oh, shit. Man. <laughs> okay, we all know this one. It's A Boy Named Sue by Johnny Cash. Uh, this version was recorded live at San Quentin, and it's the highest charting song uh, Johnny Cash ever had, going all the way to 92. Number, number two. What did I say? You, you said, said 92. 92. Huh? That, that, that was true. You Sometimes said 92. I'm right. Sometimes I'm right. Yes. Sometimes. <laughs> what was number one that year, Dave? Uh, Honky Tonk Woman kept it out. 
out by the Rolling Stones. What a, mm-hmm. what a time to be alive. Yep. Uh, this tells the story of a boy whose uh, deadbeat dad left him at the age of three, left him with a girl's name so he'd grow up tough. He hates his dad, makes him tough, then uh, they fight and they reconcile. And the song was written by Shel Silverstein. Love Shel Silverstein. Uh, I'm starting to dislike him more and more the more I hear him actually sing some of these songs. Yeah, we, Don't, the key is not to listen to Shel Silverstein ever sing his own material. Wait till you hear the sequel. Oh, boy. Well, it's going to be Johnny Cash, right? Yeah. Well, initially I thought so. Well, hold on. Let's tell the story of this. So here's the sequel to A Boy Named Sue. Mm-hmm. Dave sent this to us. Totally sung by Johnny Cash. The sequel, where fucking, fucking Johny Cash moves in with his son, who's a now a Sue, who's now a transvestite, and they fuck at the end. And Johnny Cash recorded it. Pretty much how it happened. Oh my god! So I went to the YouTube link that Dave gave me, and it's like I'm listening to it, and I'm like, this sounds. Listen to this. It doesn't sound like nothing like Johnny Cash. And I look. I didn't listen to it. I just read the lyrics and listened to the Shel Silverstein version. And it says uh, uploaded by performer like Timothy 2.0 or something. Yeah, and there's like a photoshopped version of a Johnny Cash single where he puts father of a boy named Sue, but it's totally photoshopped. What should we call it? Dave got cashed or Dave got sued or Dave didn't do his research? There we go. (laughs) Dave got taken in by a photoshopped uh, record label. It's punishment. We have to listen to the Shell Silverstein version. Oh no! Version. No! Oh, it's so bad. Oh. A little song called "A Boy Named Sue." Oh God. Except then I started to think about it. Oh God. I am. I am looking at the whole thing. Okay. Man's point of view. So. Eat a dick. Here it is. Fancy free though. I knew it wasn't quite the fatherly thing to do. I'm never gonna be able to read the sidewalk where the sidewalk ends the same way. It's so bad. This is This is two shows in a row. <laughs> Two out of three shows where I've had to listen to some Shel Silverstein solo. Oh God, he's he terrible. Has, he has wanna... a singing voice that can charitably be described as the annoying ADD kid who's always getting sent to the principal's office. Yeah, he's got a he's got the singing voice of a book writer. Uh, I want to I want to read the lyrics of the very last line here. Uh, we talked about it a little bit. The song picks up where the at the bar where he's confronted by his son. Um, oh, Jesus Christ, Shell. Jesus. You're back to fake Johnny Cash. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, so this is the very last lyrics of the song. It's, yeah, he cooks and sews, and he cleans up the place, and he cuts my hair, and he shaves my face, and he irons my shirts better than any daughter could do. This is where it gets bad. And on the nights that I can't score, well, I can't tell you anymore, but sure is a joy to have a boy named Sue. The fuck, guys? He yeah. fucks his son. Fucks his son, yeah. Sue. This uh, this song is the sequel, Son of the Mask, because it's not funny. That's yeah. right. Uh, what didn't make the list today, boys? I would say that Bobby Brown's On Our Own from Ghostbusters 2, which uh, we all know is a sequel to Ray Parker's junior song from uh, Ghostbusters. <laughs> that song inspired the movie of the same name. Uh, Harold Ramis was like, I love that Ray Parker Jr. song. I'm writing a movie based on it. Well, Bobby Brown loved Ghostbusters so much, he wrote 
wrote on our own, and he and his friends uh, would have had made their they would have made a sequel themselves. But Hollywood loved the rap in the middle of On Our Own so much they decided to plot Ghostbusters 2 around it. So Bobby got his dream. He got yeah, to see his Ghostbusters. One of 2. the greatest raps in the history of rapping. He's, yeah. He also got to be in Ghostbusters 2. Yeah, he played a doorman. Uh, ballet. Uh, Steve, what didn't make the list? Well, one of the most Doorman. obvious choices, and in fact, one that Dave himself mentioned as kind yeah. of no-brainer and then didn't include, uh, is Leslie Gore's It's My Party and Judy's Turn to Cry. But luckily, we got The Clash, The Ramones, and Iron Maiden instead. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I would have I done really? chosen... Uh, Rupert Holmes had a sequel to his song Him called I Don't Need You, which is perfectly encapsulates the fragile male ego. Wow. Where he just mm -hmm. makes what a what a train wreck of a show. Thanks a pant load, Casey. Wait, you know what else didn't you know what else didn't make the show is JD's joke that I cut him off before I want to read it now. This no, no a, we don't have time. No, Go ahead. Peggy Sue got married. I think a better sequel would have been Peggy Sue died in a plane crash with Big Bopper, and then Don McLean will write a terrible story song about it. Boom! Totally not worth taking us into the 66th minute, but thank you, Steve. Uh, next week we got a humdinger. We're doing a bat another battle episode. <laughs> In tribute to David Lyons, we are bringing in a special guest mm -hmm. to help us, because Dave's going to sit in the sidelines and listen, because we are debating Neil Diamond versus Punk Rock. And it's, oh, actually, man. it's actually kind of a sequel to Sophie's Choice, starring Dave Lyons as Sophie. Exactly. We're going to make him choose between My his, two two biggest, mm -hmm. his two babies. And, they, and the other one gets sacrificed to the Nazis. At the yep. end of the episode, he has to choose. It's going to be phenomenal. Um, so find this week's song sequels playlist by following J.D. Risner on Spotify. Go to Farrah Audio for show notes by Tim Malcolm and follow him on Twitter at Timothy Malcolm for fun facts. Keep sending in those questions, comments, complaints about the Sirius XM station and excitement for upcoming Yacht Rock review shows to us via Twitter at Yacht Rock. Follow J.D. at J.D. Risner. Follow Hollywood Steve at Hollywood Steve H. Follow Dave at David underscore B underscore Lions. Follow Hunter at Hunter Stare. Like Yacht Rock on Facebook. Rate and review us on iTunes. Go to YachtRock.com for a useful experience. Buy t-shirts, read the captain's blog, watch our episodes. It's great. Uh, thanks to Dave for making the bumpers. You uh, are welcome. Uh, DM him at the at David underscore B underscore Lions. Slide into his DMs, ladies. <laughs> if you know the and answer. Gentlemen. Uh, additional, Especially gentlemen. Additional bumpers today by Rob Crow and Mark Rivers. Thanks to producer Dustin Marshall for Ellipsis. Never did that one. Uh, check out other Feral Audio podcasts at feralaudio.com. Time to get on your bad motor Vespa and ride, Dave. Yeah. We're going home.